Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to Think Beyond Your Money podcast. I'm your host, Carter Michelson. The goal of this podcast is to provide education and insight related to investing and financial planning. With so much noise out there in this industry, I want to break things down and help you gain valuable knowledge and understanding about various topics. None of what I will go through will be personalized advice, but purely informative and hypothetical in nature. I hope you enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, we've got an exciting topic today. We're gonna be discussing the differences between an HSA, a health savings account, and an FSA, or a flexible spending account. These are probably the two most popular health spending vehicles, and so we're gonna be talking about what are the key characteristics of each, what are some of the differences between them, advantages that one might have over the other, and then which one might make the most sense for your situation. Let's dive into it. So first and foremost, these are both going to be accounts that can help you save money and prepare to pay medical expenses. There are some key distinctions in terms of the qualification or requirement for each of these accounts. When it comes to the HSA, you are going to be required to have a high deductible health plan. What that means is you, your minimum deductible to qualify needs to be at least 1400 for an individual plan or 2800 for a family plan. You also can't be enrolled in Medicare and you can't be declared dependent on another person's plan. Now, when it comes to the FSA, there's no requirement. So it doesn't matter if you're on a high deductible plan or a PPO plan, it does not matter. You can take advantage of an FSA if the employer allows so. There are some key distinctions when it comes to the ownership of these accounts. With an HSA, you personally own your account. So what that means is if you transition jobs halfway through the year, you have a couple different options. The first option would be if your new employer offers a high deductible health plan, you could roll over your remaining balance from your old HSA into the new one and continue making further contributions for that year. However, if your employer does not offer a high deductible health plan, you will no longer be able to contribute for that HSA in the current year. So what happens is your contribution limit is going to be limited pro rata for the months that you are actually working. So for instance, if you were working from January of June under the high deductible health plan, you would have six of the 12 months to be available to contribute to that HSA, which would limit you to half of that year's contribution limit. Now it is important to note that even if you're enrolled in a different non-high deductible health plan, you can still rely on your HSA to pay those healthcare expenses, or you can continue to let those funds sit and even invest them if you want to. When it comes to the FSA, you actually do not own the FSA as the employee. Technically, the FSA belongs to your employer, and so you may lose any money in the account that you don't use prior to that transition, unless your employer specifically states that they can transfer the FSA to your new employer, you may want to use that before transitioning to the next job. What happens if you don't use the funds from one year and go into the next? With your HSA, unused funds will continue to roll over year after year, so this account can actually be used as a savings vehicle that can be used for long-term expenses. Whereas with the FSA, you're typically only going to be allowed to carry over a portion of the contributions you've made to that account, and right now for 2022, that limit is $570. Some employers may allow an additional couple of months that you can spend the previous year's contributions, but it really depends on what the employer specifies within the FSA. 
What about contribution limits for these two accounts? With the HSA for 2022, the annual contribution limits are $3,650 for individual plans or $7,300 for family plans. With the FSA for 2022, the contribution limit is $2,850. It's important to note that with either of these two accounts, you are getting a tax deduction on the portion that you contribute to these accounts on an above the line basis. What that means is not only are you not taxed federally or for state, but you're also actually avoiding FICA taxes or your payroll taxes as well, as long as your contributions are made through a payroll deduction. There's also a key distinction between these two accounts when it comes to a catch-up contribution. With an HSA, anyone that is 55 or older is eligible for an additional $1,000 that they can contribute to their HSA, whereas the FSA does not allow for any sort of catch-up contribution. Probably the biggest distinction between these two accounts comes in the form of long-term savings potential. Because the FSA does not allow you to carry over a significant balance from year to year, this is not going to be a sustainable long-term savings vehicle. However, the HSA definitely has these capabilities because not only are your contributions able to carry over year to year, but you're also able to invest either a portion, if not the entire balance of your HSA. Depending on the custodian for your HSA, they may require you to hold a certain amount in cash and beyond that, you can choose the investments for the remaining balance. Now you can potentially get triple tax advantages. The way that this works is that your contributions through your paycheck are tax deductible, your accumulations continue to grow tax deferred, and eventually, if your funds are withdrawn to directly pay for qualified medical expenses or to reimburse yourself for expenses you paid out of pocket and track the medical receipts, you can withdraw those funds completely tax and penalty free. It is incredibly important to note that if you're going to reimburse yourself for expenses incurred in previous years, you're going to wanna to keep a very detailed record of those medical receipts so that you can prove in fact that this was a reimbursement for qualified medical expenses. An example could look like this. Let's say for the last 20 years, you've been enrolled in a high deductible health plan and you've been contributing to your HSA ever since then. Over those 20 years, you've done a very good job of tracking your medical expenses and keeping those receipts. Over that 20 years, you find out that you've spent $20,000. What you could do is actually liquidate, distribute from your HSA up to $20,000, use the money to go purchase a car or buy a boat, whatever it might be, and you're not going to have to pay any tax or penalty on that because you're reimbursing yourself for the out-of-pocket expenses you paid in previous years. The final feature I want to talk about when it comes to the HSA is regarding a non-qualified distribution. A non-qualified distribution from your HSA is any distribution you take which is not to directly pay for a medical expense or to reimburse yourself for a medical expense which you paid for out of pocket. If you do this before the age of 65, you are going to be assessed not only income taxes on what you pull out from that account, but also a hefty 20% penalty, so not the greatest of situations to be in. However, once you reach age 65 or above, you can actually treat your HSA just how you would treat your IRA assets. You got a tax deduction on the contributions made, which limited your tax liability in the current year of contribution. You then allowed the account to grow tax deferred, and now you're able to pull funds from the account, and all you're gonna do is pay your income taxes based on the amount that you pull out. 
So the key distinction is that if you're going to take distributions from your HSA and it's not going to be directly for a qualified medical expense and not to reimburse yourself for medical expenses you paid out of pocket, you're gonna to have to wait until age 65 to not be assessed a penalty. Whereas with your IRA assets, you can begin taking distributions at age 59 and a half with no penalty. It's really important to note that when making a decision on healthcare, you should not just be thinking about benefits of an HSA versus an FSA. You should really be thinking about your personal situation and understanding your healthcare needs. If you're someone that does not typically incur many medical expenses and you want to be able to take advantage of some potential tax advantages and savings, the HSA can be a wonderful tool for you. However, if you're someone that typically incurs a lot of medical expenses, you're going to the doctor having procedures done, then the potential tax savings and rollovers of contributions, all of those advantages might not be worth it when you take into account what the cost of your healthcare needs are. You should examine your employer coverage, what they offer, what the differences between those plans are, and try to make an educated decision with someone that can help work through what is going to be the best decision for you. If you'd be interested to review your options and help to understand what could make sense in your financial plan, you can feel free to reach out to me and I'd love to start that conversation with you. Thanks for listening. I hope you've enjoyed this episode and been able to learn something new. If you come across any questions that you believe could make a great episode for this podcast, or if you'd like to get in touch regarding your own financial plan, feel free to send me an email to carter at northoaksfinancial.com. Thanks, and I appreciate your support. This material is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended to be relied upon as a forecast, research, or investment advice and is not a recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any securities or to adopt any investment strategy. The views and strategies described may not be suitable for all investors. They also do not include all fees or expenses that may be incurred by investing in specific products. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested you cannot invest directly in an index. The opinions expressed are subject to change as subsequent conditions vary. Thrivent and its financial professionals do not provide legal, accounting, or tax advice. Consult your attorney or tax professional. Representatives have general knowledge of the Social Security tenants. For complete details on your situation, contact the Social Security Administration. Investment advisory services offered through Thrivent Advisor Network, LLC, a registered investment advisor and subsidiary of Thrivent. Clients will separately engage a broker, dealer, or custodian to safeguard their investment advisory assets. Review the Thriving Advisor Network ADV Disclosure Brochure, Financial Planning Brochure, and Wrap Fee Program Brochure for a full description of services, fees, and expenses. Thriving Advisor Network LLC advisors may also be registered representatives of a broker dealer to offer securities products. Advisory persons of Thrivent provide advisory services under a practice name or doing business as name or may have their own legal business entities. However, advisory services are engaged exclusively through Thrivent Advisor Network LLC, a registered investment advisor. North Oaks Financial Group and Thrivent Advisor Network LLC are not affiliated companies. Information in this message is for intended recipients only. Please visit our website www.northoaksfinancial.com for important disclosures.